welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, now more than ever, housing affordability is a pressing issue in our region. A lot of people don't think about Washington, D.C., this region as being as expensive as it is. People tend to think of New York and Boston and San Francisco. Uh, D.C. for the last couple of years has ranked consistently as one of the top two or three most expensive regions in the country. One of the biggest issues that any region faces is how to provide for housing opportunities for all the citizens, particularly if the region's chasing high value-added jobs and high-paying jobs. You want to make sure that people don't get left behind and folks have a place to live. David Bowers, our next guest, is Vice President and Mid-Atlantic Market Leader for Enterprise Community Partners. And I think it's fair to say that, in my experience, David is one of the the real leaders in the issue of housing affordability in the region. We're lucky to have him here in the studio. David, thanks for being here. Jonathan, thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Why is affordable housing such a big issue for our region? Well, it's a bit, affordable housing is a big issue for our region, really two big reasons. One, it's a quality of life issue, obviously, uh, for folks who, if they don't have the availability uh, of affordable housing, they're making oftentimes toxic choices about, do I pay my rent? Or do I pay for healthcare expenses? Do I pay for food? Do I pay for clothes, entertainment? Or uh, do I have to travel? Do I have to spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours, right, traveling to and from work? So there's a real quality of life issue. And then you also get the uh, kind of the economic side of it, right, as it relates to the region's economic competitiveness. We've seen more and more coverage over the last 18 months or so about how the uh, the sky-high cost of housing uh, in this region are causing companies and employees to make decisions essentially with their feet to decide either to move out of the area and or to, to hesitate when it comes to moving into the area. And so we've seen that even in conversations, uh, folks like Amazon and others who are, who are looking at, do I stay or do I come to the region, uh, looking at the cost of housing uh, as one of the critical measures. So when we think about the region's economic competitiveness over time, uh, the lack of housing affordable, uh, affordability options across the income continuum uh, could really put a dent in our competitiveness. And that's the key here. I think that when people talk about affordable housing, often they talk about the standpoint, as they should have, underprivileged and economically disadvantaged people. But the reality is that, for example, the American University Millennial Survey that was released a couple months ago showed that even if people are able to achieve uh, job opportunities here, they can't always find a place to live. Now, there are going to be people listening and say, well, that's just life. That's, uh, you know, that's that's capitalism and the markets dictate. What's your reaction to that? You know, a couple of things. One, one is that it is a real issue that a lot of people don't think about Washington, D.C., this region as being as expensive as it is. People tend to think of New York and Boston and San Francisco. Uh, D.C. for the last couple of years has ranked consistently as one of the top two or three most expensive regions in the country. Uh, kind of depending on the day of the week and the indicator, but we're always in the top three, four, five. So it is literally uh, more expensive to live here than almost anywhere else in the country. Um, so regard, even if you're making what many would think of as a nice salary, you know, a good living wage, you could still be struggling to find affordable rental options. And certainly on the home ownership side, it's a real stretch for a lot of people. Um, think about Amazon talked about 50,000 good paying jobs. And when you looked into their uh, their documents. They talked about a lot of folks making $100,000 a year. Well, for a lot of people making $100,000 a year, when you hear that number, you think, oh, you know, you, you're doing good. 
Uh, but in this region where you've got rents that can run easily $2,500 to $3,500 a month for a one-bedroom, maybe a two, uh, where how average housing costs in certain jurisdictions to buy a home can run seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, a million dollars. A hundred thousand dollars doesn't go as far as people may think. So I think that that's a real issue. Um, and when it comes to this notion of you know kind of let the market do what it will, for my old econ one hundred and one days, it, it, you know that's one approach. The other approach is to say, look, we we are a citizenry that has to be active in thinking about what are the outcomes. We as a society, we as a region uh, want to see what kind of quality of life do we want to see? Do we want to see one where we have economic integration and ethnic integration and opportunities for all? If that's the case, we can't just have that kind of lazy, fair attitude of, well, let the market do what it will and there'll be winners and losers uh, mm -hmm. because the, the cost of the losing is not just for the losers, so to speak. It really does ripple to others. Yeah, I recently made that observation that it's great to be a cool community, but you've got to be cool to be kind. That's right. That's exactly right. And and, and that ha that requires some intentionality. And I think part of the work of a group called the Housing Leaders Group of Greater Washington has been to try to think about at a regional level, how can we be more intentional to balance the market forces, which bring in, in many cases good, good amenities and good options and, you know, quality of life on, on one level, but also make sure that we can, with intentionality, uh, promote some policies and investments that will allow for uh, folks across an income range uh, to be involved. And when we talk about across an income range, again, you, you know, it's always uh, a lot of times you hear, you know, teachers and firefighters and nurses, and that's true. But I challenge anyone who hears this broadcast to think, look around, look around your, your, where you work right now. And more than likely, a lot of the folks who are, are where you work, there are a number of them who are directly impacted by this issue. Um, so it really does affect more, uh, a lot more families and individuals than a lot of people really think about. So some of this is regulatory uh, from the standpoint of housing density, permitting, things like this. Uh, but another part of it, I think, is the private sector. Now, you're involved in, and I think that others in the private sector are aggregating capital now to actually drive at this problem. Tell me a little bit about what the private sector is doing. Absolutely. So there have been some exciting uh, movements by groups like where I work, Enterprise, pooling together equity funds. Um, and acquisition funds, uh, groups like JBG Smith uh, doing similar work, pooling together private capital equity and essentially looking for private capital that will accept returns slightly below market rate. And what I like to say, Jonathan, to be clear, is it, I equate it to saying, you know what, you may not get a Bentley return, but you'll get a real nice Mercedes return. So it's not like people are, quote unquote, losing money in the absolute term. Uh, it's just they're not making quite as much as they would have. And so groups like Enterprise, uh, private sector players, for-profits like JBG Smith, getting into the this marketplace of looking for uh, uh, options for, for investors to invest and, and balance, kind of mission-related investing, balancing, uh, looking at multiple returns. So not just the economic returns, but the social returns, the quality of life impact it could have in the region where, where stakeholders are, are residing. Um, so that's exciting for us to see folks tr working to aggregate that kind of capital that can then leverage uh, public capital that's being invested uh, by local and state jurisdictions uh, in the region uh, to work to provide the access that developers need, for-profits and non-profit developers who are doing uh, housing that will serve folks, again, across the income continuum. So that's exciting for us to see that kind of movement. David, last question before I let you go. You're at the front, Don Quixote, with the, uh, you're, you got the flag. <laughs> what are we not doing as a region that we need to do to help you? 
What we're not doing as a region, I think, is one, being honest uh, and open about the scale of the problem. Uh, when we talk about 150,000 families that are living uh, severely cost burden, which means they're paying more than half of their income for their rent. Uh, when you talk about 150,000 new low-income households that are coming here, when we think about the fact this could be a 25 to $35 billion uh, requirement in terms of solving for this issue in our region, uh, a lot of folks are scared off by the numbers. And so, the, number one, we have to just admit and say out loud the scope and scale of the problem. The second thing we really need to do is uh, decision makers, policy makers, from boardrooms to city halls and mayor's offices, I think need to quantify their responses in terms of the need. So what I like to say is stop pulling out willy-nilly numbers. Let's do $5 million or $20 million or $100 million. Let's make sure that the numbers that we are, the budget numbers, decisions that we're making are tied to solving for a percentage of the need. And the final thing is we need more actual dollars invested and the implementation of good policies that we know can work to reduce costs. If you're wondering who is in the forefront of dealing with affordable housing, you don't know who else to look to, check out and find David Bowers. Thanks for joining us in the studio today, David. It's great to have you. Jonathan, thanks. Great to be with you. And we want to say a special thank you to these show sponsors. What's working in Washington wouldn't happen without the support of other organizations here in town who want to make a difference by highlighting how a region grows. Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, their business development team can help you find the best talent and ideal location and the latest in market and business intelligence. Your business starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. And TEDCO. TEDCO invests in early stage and life sciences companies. It produces resources and connections that companies need to thrive in Maryland. Tedco's mission is to discover, invest in, and help build great companies. Learn more at www.tedco.md. And Jones Lang LaSalle, they are a leading commercial real estate service company within the Washington, D.C. metro area, serving the technology, government contract, and their professional services industries. JLL's strategy-led approach and expert implementation results in cost-effective and flexible real estate solutions that help their clients succeed and grow. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time.